Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The founder of ESPN, Bill Rasmussen, has a new book out called One Giant Leap for Fankind. And it's a trip not only through sports, but through Bill's life with uh, a look at what happened historically and what has happened in science and, of course, what has happened in sports. And Bill's with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Bill, good morning. How are you doing? Good. How are you guys doing today? It sounded great so far. Well, we're, we're <laughs> excited to have you with us. i got to start with this. When you were putting together ESPN in the late 70s and went on the air on ESPN television for the first time in 1979, could you imagine that in 2023 you'd be talking to an ESPN radio station? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Nobody had even thought of radio. I mean, obviously, radio was here, but... That was not our, our original goal was to do 24 hours sports television and radio obviously came along quickly after that. But no, we had no no thought of radio at that opening time. Hey, Bill, when you are, are piecing together this idea of, of a 24 hour sports, uh, what was some of the, the fears that 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 maybe caused you to hesitate or, or maybe 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 made you think that this was not going to work and you had to fight through those fears to continue to go forward? Well, I never had the thought that it wouldn't work. It was convincing other people. Yeah. Uh, remember, there were, in football, for example, we only saw maybe 25, 26 games a year from the three major networks. So I had been involved in sports radio, sports television, and so on. And every time I got off the air with that nightly sports three and a half minutes or whatever, the phone would be ringing and somebody would say, how could you miss, you know, fill in the blank, my school, my whatever. So, and I had done that for the better part of 10 years, both sports and news. So when the, I left that and started with the Whalers, and when they fired me, I said, I have to do something in cable television. It just, it, it was the time. And I was absolutely convinced we could get the money, the programming, and the, and the stations. And so I went and tried to find financing. A lot of people said no, as you might imagine. <laughs> Programming, they said it'll never happen, and the usual, but uh, you just have to be positive. I was always curious about things, and I'm never complacent. I want to really, you know, if you get an idea, let's go make it happen. So that's really what happened, and I, uh, people laughed at us. Uh, I was laughed at more times than taken seriously early on, but kind of turned around, and there were a few people who called me, called me after that, and I would meet, and they say, remember the time we met? I didn't think you'd make it. Well, if I had a nickel, as they say, for every time somebody <laughs> said that. <laughs> Bill Rasmussen, the founder of ESPN, with us on 101 ESPN. And, Bill, I'm 60, and I've I've had a pretty easy life. There was never any draft when I was eligible to be drafted. The Korea, the, the Vietnam conflict end, ended essentially when I was 10 or 12 years old. You grew up in an era where you had Pearl Harbor, you had World War II, you had the the 
Korean conflict. You had the draft. You had the 60s where people rejected the draft. But how did all of that influence you in terms of being the businessman that you became? I, I think it was the being born in the 30s and being part of, if you will, the, uh, the growing up of America. You know, we only had about 131 million uh, residents in our population back when the 1930s dawned. And we were collectively known, as you've probably discovered, the, the silent generation. It was kind of like your parents had told you, uh, you know, here's a job, put your head down, go and get it done, and don't come back until you finish. And that was really pretty much our whole generation was that way. And uh, so I think those were the lessons that carried on. And, 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 to, and due to this day, I still have lots of things to do. I just better hurry up doing them. I don't, you know. <laughs> I've got 90 in the books, as they say. So. That's awesome. I, I'm 41, so I don't know a life without SportsCenter, without ESPN. Do you have one of your, your fondest moments or memories from your time uh, with, the, with ESPN and with SportsCenter? Yeah, SportsCenter especially was an experiment that I had tried when I was working with the Whalers. The station gave me a half hour. Uh, each night, five nights a week for about a year, and we called it Sports Central, and I thought that'd be pretty good. And so the particular moment when we looked in just before we threw the switch for the first time, so to speak, and there was the studio, and George Grand was sitting in the seat, and Lee Leonard was sitting in his seat, and uh, they threw the switch. That had to be the most exciting. That that picture, oh, and we do have a picture someplace, I'm sure, but in my mind, that's what uh, that's what made it all worthwhile. I, it was here. It was kind of breathe a sigh of relief. And now, what can we do? Let's make it better. And, and from the very beginning, everybody that came to work there wanted to make it. What else can we do? What's a new idea? That sort of thing. And Bill, it's remarkable to me because I mentioned as we came, we went into break to introduce you, and I think a lot of people were were spouting the death knell of ESPN a few years ago with cord cutting and with people not watching traditional television as much. But ESPN develops ESPN Plus pretty much every game, and you started this, by the way. I remember you being at Lindenwood a few years ago here in St. Charles. Pretty much every game in America is available on ESPN. Plus, and the corporation found a way to adapt to a newer technology. Yes, it's indeed. And I thank you for remembering my visit to Lindenwood. Wow, that, that, you just stirred memories for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the technology, of course, is leading the whole thing. You, you obviously would not have been around when the baseball tried to get uh, keep games from being broadcast on radio. They thought it would hurt the attendance. <laughs> and then you would sit. I can remember hearing the click, 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 click of uh, teletype in the background. And the announcers in those early days, the late 30s and so on, would be in the studio if, if the team was playing that afternoon. And all they would do is they would hear, and I'm convinced, I never saw it, but I'm convinced that they each click it would say ball wide or ball one or whatever it might say or strike, and they would say, and there's a pitch outside on the fire. You know, I think it was all made up in the early days. <laughs> it was kind of fun to listen to those announcers. You know, create a show is what they did when they went on the air. They'd watch the ball game through the eyes of the tele teletype uh, operator at the ballpark. <laughs> 
Hey, Bill, I got to tell you, during the baseball strike in 1981, I was working at KMOX here in St. Louis. We didn't have any baseball. It was during the dead of summer. And they did the exa- that exact thing. We, we had sound effects with two boards hitting each other to hear the crack of the bat. Jack Buck and Mike Shannon just had the play-by-play, and they would make it up as they went along. And so, like, we would have the, the 1967 Cardinals against the 1944 Cardinals, and they would play and simulate this mm-hmm. game with sound effects. And you're exactly right. That's the way it happened in 1981. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And you mentioned 1944. Does everybody in St. Louis remember 1944 and who played in that World Series? Well, we we know it was a St. Louis World Series. I wasn't around for it. You remember it. What are your memories of the Browns and the Cardinals? I remember that I had gone to school and played ball with a fellow whose last name was Kokas, K-O-K-A-S, and the Browns had an outfielder named Cocos, and I was convinced he had to be a relative. Of course, he wasn't. <laughs> but but uh, I always remember the, the Cardinals and Browns because the Chicago Cardinals football team eventually wound its way, wended its way, I guess, through St. Louis and on out to Arizona and so on. Uh, but I remember the – we would listen to just about anything on the radio if we could hear it, those, and especially come World Series time. And jumping ahead with World Series, the 1956 World Series, I saw every pitch of Don Larson's perfect game for wow. the Yankees. And that was that was exciting. Uh, and I still think the fourth pitch, the count went, at, uh, I think it was 3-2, and uh, the final pitch was high and away as far as I knew. But the umpire called it 3 <laughs> and everybody he wanted. I think he was aware of the perfect game as, as well as Yogi and everybody else, and it was going to go in the books that way. Hey, Bill, you- St. Louis has always been a special place for me. I spent a lot of time in uh, Tulsa and uh, throughout the Midwest, and of course being born in Chicago and uh, the Cardinals and early on the Browns would always be in, in, the, in the ballpark, so you you've had it was, such it was great. You've had such a great uh, career and life. And you mentioned earlier that you still have things left to do. What what's left on your list of things you you want to accomplish? Well, I uh, as you probably know, I've been diagnosed with Parkinson's back in uh, 2014. And Parkinson's disease is a very insidious and it's a disease that wears at people. And so I. I the doctor, my neurologist one day said, you know what you should do? You, and we had a conversation about all the ways you're supposed to take care of yourself. He said, but you know, the, the, the most important thing that most people ignore is the brain. They'll talk about exercising and the stretching and doing all those things, but nobody ever says exercise your brain. If you exercise your brain, that's the most important thing you can do. So when I started to have the symptoms of uh, of Parkinson's, uh, went through all of, finally got the diagnosis, and he said, uh, here are the things you can do, but above all, number one, top of the list, the exercise. So I've gone to the Michael J. Fox Foundation, the American, uh, the American uh, APDA, Parkinson's Disease Association, volunteered as an, as an ambassador, if you will, to spread the word, to try and talk to people. So I do a lot of Zoom meetings around the country um, talking about 
just those things. And I, I always talk about, as I said earlier, ABC, NBC, always be curious, never be complacent, always exercise the brain. And when you wake up every day, it's going to be a good day. Don't don't wake up and say, oh, boy, I have to get through another day with Parkinson's. Get up and, you know, I'm a happy tune. What a, fa- a thought, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, a, what a fantastic approach. What a, what a great demeanor. Hey, Bill, before we let you go, you mentioned that you can still see George Grand sitting in that studio for the first sports center in your mind's eye. You have such a crystal clear recollection. We, we just heard you talk about Don Larson's perfect game. But if I ask you to give us one sports moment in your lifetime that stands out in your mind's eye, the one that's your favorite or the one that had the most impact on you, what is it? Wow. I guess maybe it would be the very first word spoken on uh, ESPN. And my my memory of that is you talk about being crystal clear. With your permission, here is the way we went on the air. If you're a fan, if you're a fan, what you'll see in the next, next minutes, hours, and days to follow may convince you you've gone to sports heaven. Beyond that blue horizon is a limitless world of sports. And right now, you're standing on the edge of tomorrow, sports, 24 hours a day, from ESPN, the Total Sports Cable Network. That moment will... I, I have goosebumps. I think Gary <laughs> does, too. That, that's I did, too. just so great to hear. <laughs> yeah. Bill, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. We're so excited about the book, by the way. It's an Amazon bestseller. It's called ESPN, One Giant Leap for Fankind by Bill Rasmussen, the founder of ESPN with Donald T. Phillips. Thanks so much for the time this morning. We appreciate it, and have a great day. Thanks, guys. Take care. Enjoyed it. Thank you very much. That is Bill Rasmussen. Yeah, but before ESPN Plus was a thing, mm-hmm. he was out at Lindenwood, and he told me, he said, eventually, Lindenwood, every sports team at every school in America is going to be available wow. on video at your home or on your phone. And That's awesome. lo and behold, there it is.